So, first reading taken from Luke chapter 15. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered the wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring him the best robe and put it on him. Put a, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring him the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's a great story, isn't it? I love stories. So just a little recap. Over the past month, we've been looking at a sermon series on Jesus and the subversive kingdom. By the end of this series, I might be able to say that properly. Basically, it's how Jesus challenged the political and cultural structures of the time. And last week, as James said, we began to look at how Jesus does that through story. And we learn that Jesus is, in fact, far more a poet and a storyteller than he is a preacher and a teacher. 
Now, I can't confess on any level to be a poet, but I have shared my fair old share of stories, not my own, somebody else's, in my years as a nursery nurse. So let me indulge you in a story about a story. I once nannied for my best friend, it was a great job, and me and her youngest at the time loved stories. And our favourite story, and it still is my favourite childhood story, is we're going on a bear hunt. Have you read it? Okay. Well, I'll tell you about it later. It's brilliant. Anyway, one day we were all going on a walk together in the woods, and I was walking ahead. Then suddenly I hear, no, Auntie Rachel, that's what he called me, stop, there's a bear. There wasn't a bear. <laughs> but right there, in that moment, he had completely entered in to the story. That highlights some of why Jesus tells us things in stories. Because it helps us enter in. But far more than that, it's a place where we get to grapple and understand some of his teachings. These are stories, parables as they're called, that challenge cultures and structures and people. And it does the same today. Last week, we heard the saying that basically says a parable is like a house in which we get to enter in and take residence. Isn't that a nice image of entering into the story? But it's also been said that we can get even more out of a parable when we look out of the window into the culture in which the story is set. But it's important to remember we don't have to. We can read the parables, the stories that Jesus told us, just as they are, and they can impact us. Because there's so much within them that we can connect with. The parable that we heard today, so much that we can connect with. But if we do look outside that window into what's going on in the culture of the time, we can be even more struck and impacted by it. A little illustration, and he doesn't know I'm going to do this. Dave, where's Dave? Dave, you don't have to come up, it's all right, Dave. It's, I just wanted to think about, if Dave and I listened to a piece of music, we would, depending what it is, we would both enjoy it. But Dave listens to that piece of music in a different way. Because his ear is trained. So he's probably going to appreciate and understand the power of that piece of music in a way that I don't. And perhaps as we look through the parables into the culture that's going on, it can do the same. So today's story was, whatever we're going to call it, parable of the lost son or loving father, whatever. The first thing that I want to think about is as we look at the culture, is the depth of the father's love. The story begins with the elder son, and he's asking for his share of the inheritance, which might not seem like such a bad request. He's worked hard for his dad, he wants to go his own way and make it on his own. And 
it's not an unknown request. There are times where we can see that it's happened before. However, that's only ever when the father is on the deathbed. There's nothing in this story that suggests the father is on the deathbed. What he's asking is shocking to those that hear it. But more than that, the son isn't content just to own that property. He wants to live off it right now. He wants to live off the proceeds and put in his father's livelihood at risk. Those that would hear that story would be so shocked because it's almost like saying, I wish you were dead. And he would be treating his dad as though he already was. Those that heard the story would expect the father to deny the request, to scream, to shout, to probably beat him up because that's what you did back then. But the fact that they hear of a father who honours that request, who lets that son walk away from that love and that relationship would have really struck them. We need to remember that this parable is told in order to help those that are listening to the story, which is the Pharisees, so those that would have seen themselves as really, really holy and God-honoring, to connect with how God relates to those that don't know him, those that don't hang out with him. It's this love, a love that honours requests, that allows somebody to walk away from their love, to break a relationship, but keep on loving that we see reflected in God. Jesus is demonstrating a love that's just far beyond what those listening would have expected. Jesus was saying, so what, those that I hang out with, because the, the whole setting for this story is around a table where Jesus is eating with tax collectors, so people that nobody liked and people that didn't follow him. He's saying, so what? It doesn't matter that these people aren't liked by the world. It doesn't matter that they don't live the holy life that you do. I love them because my father loves them. And are you going to do the same? In the next scene, we hear that the son has spent all the money. We hear that he's in a foreign land, so that probably means that he's been disowned by his community. And we're told that he's attached to a citizen and ends up feeding the pigs. Basically, somebody's taken him in. But they've given him a job that means he's not going to hang around. Basically, nobody wants him. Then we hear the words that Freddie said for us. He came to his senses. 
So when we first read that, we can think of that perhaps marking a change of heart. That that's the point in the story where the son realizes that he's messed up and that he needs forgiveness. But actually, that's not what's going on. If we look at where those words are used in Scripture elsewhere, this is basically the son plotting a master plan of how he can save himself. He says that he's going to go back to his dad and work as a hired hand. Now, a hired hand was different to any other servant. Being a hired hand meant that the son could go back to his father, but he didn't have to live with him. He could live independently. He could have the freedom. He could live a bit more of the life that he wanted to. He could earn a wage. He would get paid for doing that. So he'd earn back the respect of people. And it also meant that he could pay back the money if he wanted. If the son has realized that he's made a mess at this point, it's probably just in terms of the money. It has nothing to do with a broken relationship. The son is trying to fix things for himself. He wants no grace. The true understanding of what he really needs happens in that incredible scene where he returns home and his father runs to him and embraces him. His father absolutely showers him with love despite what he's done. At that point, he realizes that what he needs is a forgiveness for a broken relationship. And he can't do that on his own. He needs the Father's help. For those listening to the story, they would have thought that the only way to God was by living and adopting their holy lifestyle, living their standards. The fact that in this story they're seeing that it's something not about what you do, but about the Father's love and about a relationship would have really impacted them. It would have challenged them deeply. As humans, our relationship with God is naturally broken. On our own, we can't do anything to fix it. It's about a relationship with God. It's about accepting that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we can be forgiven for the things that we've done. In the final scene, the father holds a party. He gives him the best robe and a ring. He puts sandals on his feet and he brings out the fatted calf. 
Now, if I had an extra half hour, I could tell you how much love that demonstrated, but it was lots. The fact that there's a fatty calf, though, says that there's a whole load of people there. So it's more than likely that the whole community have come out for that celebration. But there's one person that hasn't. The older son stands outside disapprovingly. For those reading the story, they are expecting that the son in this story is going to be really, the father in this story is going to be really angry. Because by not coming into the party, he's dishonoring his father. They're expecting that he's going to ignore his son. But the fact that the father leaves the party, even though he is the host, would have been really powerful. The son's angry because he hasn't had the same treatment. He's thinking, Dad, I've always been here for you. I've always served you. Where's my party? But he's missing the point because the party isn't about the son. Just like this whole parable isn't really about the son. It's about the father and his love and his celebration that his son has come home and that his relationship with him is restored. I think the father was longing for his son to understand his grace. Those listening to the story were seeing people come to God through Jesus. But they weren't able to join in with the celebration. Because their focus was on their holy lifestyle. And those that Jesus was hanging out with didn't have that. They didn't understand his grace. And then interestingly, just like that, the story ends. We don't know what happened to the other son. We don't know whether he came in to the party. We don't know whether he stayed outside. And I can't be sure, but I wonder if that's Jesus being really clever giving people an opportunity to think about where they are in the story. How do they think the story ends? How do they want it to end? At the beginning of the story, the reason for Jesus sharing the story is because he sat round a table eating with tax collectors those that the world didn't approve of. And he was eating with those that weren't perhaps as holy as those that were listening were. Here at Top Church, the table is central to who we are. It's a place where we share communion together, a place where we sit round and drink coffee, eat samosas, have cake and chat. 
And it's a place where all are welcome. Those that know God. Those that don't know him. Those that are figuring out what it means. Those that live a lifestyle that perhaps the world approves of. Those that live a lifestyle that perhaps people are challenged by. And all are welcome. I think there's much in this story that we can think about as we work out what that means for us. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us around your table. Lord, we pray here at Top Church, you would make us a place of welcome, where those that love you, those that don't, those that are working out what life with you means, are welcome. Where people from all different kind of lifestyles are welcome, and we work out together what it means to love and follow you. Amen.